This is Bobby Cool, Daddy Slick Breeze. There you go. All right, oh, I nice. like it. That's There's good. so much more swag in that <laughs> yes, one. Yes. Right, yeah. This is the Night Owls Disc Golf Podcast, a Disc Golf Answer Man Network podcast. I'm Shane. And I'm JP. And I got the intro right. Yes. Isn't nice? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. So today, um, we're going to kind of skip the normal format because we have a guest that we are going to be speaking to. Um, it is none other than the man himself, Bobby Cool Daddy Slick Breeze. Did I get that right, Bobby? Yes, you did. Actually, no, I have to do it. Okay, okay, okay. sorry. All right. Make it yep. proper. Is that okay? Yes. Do it. This is Bobby Cool, Daddy Slick Breeze. There you go. There's All right, oh, I nice. like it. That's There's good. so much more swag in that <laughs> yes. one. Yes. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's All years right. of practice. Years, years. Yeah. So we'll just jump right into it. Where and why did Bobby Cool, Daddy Slick Breeze come about? Like what? Like how was I born? Or I mean, no. Why? How, how, why Bobby Cool <laughs> Daddy Slippery? The nickname. Oh, Cool Daddy Slippery. Okay, great question. Great question. So yes, it's a uh, rather unique name. Um, the origin of the name uh, actually goes back to high school. I was sitting around with a bunch of buddies uh, in a class, and it was a substitute teacher because we were. Wa- and I know we were watching some kind of movie or something, and we were cursed goofing off. And you know how dudes are, just kind of making fun of each other and yeah. stuff like that. And, and always on your best behavior. When oh, subs of course, were in there. Of course. <laughs> yes. And uh, so someone said something and I said, what do you think? You're some kind of cool daddy slick breeze. And everybody was just like, what did you just say? And I was like, I have no idea what I just said. It just came out. <laughs> and a- it was just, and then it was a thing, but it never became a thing. Like it wasn't like, oh, now we're going to say this saying or whatever. But um, it was always something that, that struck me as just kind of a, the way it flowed together and sounded together, what it was just kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Anyway, when I decided to work in media, not even before disc golf, just media, I was trying to figure out a, a, a unique name. And I was thinking, you know, I can't take Bobby Brown Productions, obviously, because Bobby Brown, the singer, took yes. everything that has his name. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was going to do, I was going to do tri Productions. And then I was like, well, what does the third B stand for? And, and then it just, and then it just dawned on me. I was like, what about cool daddy slick breeze? Would that be too weird? And of course, the URL was obviously not taken. Was ready for the take. <laughs> no um, way. So I thought, you know what? I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to. I purchased CoolDaddySlickBreeze.com. Um, I had a friend at the time. I worked at a credit union. I told her, and she was a uh, a designer. And I asked her, and she I paid her 200 bucks to create a logo for me. So she created the logo for me, and I had a, a vinyl uh, printed out, and I put it on the side of a. At the time, it was an expedition. And that was it. Cool Daddy Slick Breeze. And um, it, to, this, to this day, people still mess it up. Cool Slick Breeze, Slick Daddy Breeze, <laughs> Slick Cool Guy. Or, you know, it's all kinds of stuff. But as long as I say a few of the words uh, out, it's, it, I'm cool with it. So, but yeah, that's, that's kind of the origin of the name. Yeah, it's, it's more of the tempo and the tone that really attracts people. You know, it's like Pepsi. You could drop the words off and you still know it's Pepsi. Or Coke, you could, well, right. Coke you can't drop. But, you know, it's just that tempo and tone yeah. that you have. Um, so I want to get into a little bit, because like I said, we're just jumping right in. Um, I want to get into a little bit 
where this is JP's question, but I'm going to kind of kick it off, is on Chain Clankers, they did an awesome oh, yeah. job interviewing you. They did a fantastic yes, job. Time. So I would definitely jump over there, listen to it. I mean, I think it's fantastic. So we're going to try to go a little deeper into some of the questions they ask, and some of the questions are going to be new. But I think if, JP, you want to start off on asking your question about how it started with... Yeah, you alluded to um, at, at DD, uh, you and Eric McCabe started um, Disc Golf Answer Man. And so I'm just kind of curious how the conversation to start Disc Golf Answer Man came about and the idea of what it is behind Disc Golf Answer Man that it came to be. Absolutely. Yeah. So I had already done, I had already, when I worked at the credit union, I had to convince my boss to buy some uh, video equipment um, so that I could kind of practice. I could learn as I go there. Um, and I started creating internal training videos for the credit union. And then the other idea I had was, of course, because podcasting was, uh, a, you know, in its infancy, infancy, but still a growing medium. And I knew an important medium. I knew it was going to be something big. So um, I had talked my CEO into creating a podcast. And again, this is so I could learn, force myself to have to learn to do it by saying, hey, president and CEO of a you know national credit union, I will make a podcast for you. As long as you give me the audio, I would cre- I'll create everything with it. So I did. And it was an internal one that went out to employees. So that taught me. And then um, I was when, before, when I started doing disc golf media, I was going to move into an RV and live full time in an RV. And I thought this is another way to learn how to do podcasts. So me and my wife at the time did living the RV life. And it was a podcast where we called people and interviewed them that had been living in the RVs for years full time. And so that was a thing I did. Yeah. So when I was like, really, okay, what can I do in disc golf? At the time, there was maybe four or five disc golf podcasts, and they, a lot of them were really local, like local ones. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I, but PDGA, of course, had their their podcast out. I can't remember the guy's name. What was his name? Steve Krasinski, I think it was. Okay. He had a podcast that he would do stuff. So anyway, so I wanted to do a podcast, but then I knew I needed like a pro, somebody that was the, the, the uh, knowledgeable one, the player, because I was not a player at all. So, and at that time I was good friends with Eric McCabe. So I, naturally he would be on there. And then I thought, how was a way to always have content? How would I always have good content? Well, I would have my audience create the content and I would do that by having them send in the questions. And that's how we would always have content. Um, because Eric McKay would be able to answer the questions. And I was just the guy that would announce things, read the questions. He was the expert to answer the questions. And actually, I had learned how to do podcasting through a guy. He had a show called Podcast Answer Man. Okay. And I thought, well, that, that'll work well for Disc Golf Answer Man. So I just kind of stole the name with Disc Golf Answer Man. So, yeah, that's how it all started. <laughs> and I wasn't working for Dynamic Disc at the time. This was me saying I need to get into Disc Golf Media. And I had done a few things for PDGA and for Joe Tan of Innova, and uh, this was just a way for me to continue to get into the disc golf media and, world. And correct me if I'm wrong, McCabe was still with Discraft as mm-hmm. his sponsor. Okay, so give us a story of you and McCabe. How did those two magical lines cross? Yeah, so um, when uh, I the first thing I did that was big for disc golf was the Green Country Open, and it was a national tour event that in 2009 that went to Pasco, Oklahoma. And that was the the land where the guy that had created two golf disc golf courses 
and I'd help them with the promotional uh, stuff. And so I remember the dynamic discs. Well, was it a dynamic disc RV? I know there was an RV that parked there and there were people were watching TV. And I thought, well, these are, you know, I was like fanboy. I was like, these are big time. These are the big time pro disc offers. So I was going to go over and introduce myself. So I walked over and said, hi. And it was Eric McCabe was in there. Liz Lopez was in there. I can't remember who else was in there. Uh, I know there was somebody else, but I, that's when I first met Eric McCabe. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I introduced myself and he thought it was really cool that I did video. And then I hadn't really talked to them. But then when I started talking to Jeremy Rusco and going to tournaments to film their tournaments, I would always run into Eric McCabe because he was always at the DD tournaments because he was helping. He, he was he threw Discraft, but he was sponsored as an apparel sponsor mm-hmm. by Dynamic Discs, right? And so I'd always see Eric and we would talk and we just joked and got along and just became friends. And then when I was a guy, he was always he would always say, hey, if you're going to make any videos or anything like that, just let me know and I'll be in them. So he's always fast to volunteer to be in the video. So that's kind of how our little friendship partnership began. That's fantastic. Awesome. And so when you were working with Eric, was it one of those things that you just kind of knew you wanted to work or was it just one of those it just naturally progressed into you know, the bond that you guys had, because your dynamic is fantastic when you guys were chatting with each other. Was it something that was immediately like that or was it did have to be built? I think it was like, it was just, you know, how you meet certain people and, and somehow you guys just, you click the way mm-hmm, you yeah. joke, mm-hmm. the things you notice and, and, and joke around about and the right. things you talk about, you just kind of click. And so, and then there were times where when I would travel um, to tournaments, Wherever he was at, I would stay with him. Like we would stay in apartments together of somebody who was a disc golfer who would say, hey, you know, McCabe, if you need a place to stay, you can stay here for this tournament. And Eric mm-hmm. would say, well, I've got Bobby. He's trying to do disc golf media. Can he stay too? And he'd be like, yeah. So, you know, we've slept on apartment floors together before <laughs> uh, <laughs> or back in the early days. And then in the RV, you know, early on in DD stuff, we would travel in the RVs together. So, right. you know, just became friends that way, just hanging out with each other a lot. Okay. So you mentioned your, your um, relationship with Rusco, kind of building that, getting into it. So when you officially, was it 2014, is that correct? Dude, you, January 2014 is when I officially became full-time. Yes. And, okay. and that was with Lat64 and Dynamic Discs. So mm-hmm. when you were given that uh, position or given the opportunity for that position, I guess you had mentioned your feelings of being just like over the moon, finally, this is awesome. What was the oversight given, kind of in a, in a business respect, how did Jeremy Rusco handle that relationship and use, uh, well, not UC, I guess, uh, Tomas Ekstrom, how did they handle that relationship? Did, was it basically freedom, you do what you do, or was there a lot of oversight? It was pretty, it was pretty, it, 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 what was interesting is that um, months before we actually said, okay, this will work, um, you can be our social media person, we, me and uh, Jeremy would have conversations at coaches and uh, I would tell him, this is what I could do for you. This is what I could do. This is how I see this working out. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would say, okay, but you know, what if there's not enough social media for you to do? Would you be willing to like stock stuff in the warehouse? Would you really <laughs> do any admin type stuff? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I'll do that. I'll even help, you know, I have background in IT, so I'll help you know, I can help uh, fix computer problems and run the computer right. network and stuff like that. So it was going to be like a hybrid, you know, little did know, you know, years later, it's like a five the people of five department right now. So, yeah. but it was just interesting how he's like, 
just in case we don't have enough social media, can you do other things? Yes, yeah. I can do other things. But once I got the job, once I was there, I, it was full on social media because I was doing latitude and, and dynamic disc. I mean, I was, I had already, I mean, I had created their YouTube channel. I, I, in fact, it still has the email address that I created that has, it's cdsb.bb at something, something. I'm not going to say what it is, but <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's still that email address that I created. I created the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. The Instagram, I don't think they had very much. I know they already had the Facebook. Uh, they certainly didn't have the TikTok. Certainly didn't have the Snapchat um, and the other uh, uh, platforms, but so I had already really kind of started creating the culture and the media and the and the tone for Dynamic Disc. So mm-hmm. it was kind of like just do more of that, Bobby. Yeah. You know, do more of what you've been doing. Create this social media presence for Dynamic Disc. The guiding thing was always um, we wanted to be the cool kids of disc golf. Right. We wanted to be the guys that you'd be related to and wanted to know. And we were going to be, we were going to do whatever we could to be the best in customer service because D- Jeremy had a big belief that to be the, give the greatest customer service and have that be one of the differentiating, differentiating, yeah, one of the things that are different uh, <laughs> yeah. with Dynamic Disc was to be words the best hard. in customer service. I yeah. know, yeah. words. <laughs> How words you, on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. How would you rate Dynamic Disc's uh, social media before you got there? Were they on par with other manufacturers? Were they behind? Like, what, how would you, what state was it in when you got there? I'd say they were, they were, even before I got there, they were a little ahead of it because Jeremy knows the importance of it and Jeremy knows the importance of showmanship. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at their, look at their latest announcements. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. I, I mean, we wh- can, wh- what we, was it? I didn't, I didn't know. About yeah, that. That, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a helicopter. Yeah. I mean, Jeremy knows how to make, put on a show. And that's one of the things that impressed me is when I would go to different uh, tournaments and I would see different tournament directors, you know, they would, have nice tables and things like that but mm-hmm. i mean early on i would go to a, a dd event and there'd be the tables the rv music blasting mm-hmm. and jeremy would always say make sure you're helping somebody make sure whoever's behind the table are you talking to someone are you asking answering questions he would answer questions yeah. um so that's what uh drew me to want to work more with jeremy rusco so i would say they were they were a little ahead of everybody else only because jeremy was a driving force in the showmanship and making sure that we use the media to make sure people knew about BD. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the more and more I speak with you and get to know you and I hear some of those, you know, little things it he intrigues me so much because as a business person, I see the stuff he's doing and I'm just like, I want to give him a high five, you know, especially mm-hmm. starting in the beginning. And I laugh and I can appreciate where Jeremy came from on hiring you. Cause as you know, we're going through the same thing at the present moment in our company. And we're hiring somebody that is going to take over some of the responsibilities of social media marketing and things like that. Because right now, um, you know, excuse the expression, it's kind of like for us, it's kind of, you know, shoot an arrow up in the air. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. Hopefully yeah. it lands somewhere, you know, and with your yeah. guidance, it's helping us get closer, but still, still hard. But we just had a conversation like, hey, we would definitely hire you. We would love to work with you. But would you mind folding some laundry and maybe doing some dishes? <laughs> you know, like I want to make sure, you know, I'm confident we'll be able to get them the hours, but it's just like, I don't want to let you down. I want to live up to my end of the bargain. Um, so I appreciate that. And I, I love hearing that, that I'm not the only 
you know, Sandy and I aren't the only ones, you know, to like, well, yeah. you know, we've got some garbage clans that need to be cleaned and, you know, like kind of, I know. think, I think it is, and it's not, it's not necessarily your, like, I don't want to say your fault, but it's not uncommon. And what I'm finding when I'm, as I'm doing this social media freelance type thing is that people, it's, it's much easier to hire someone to fold the laundry or take out the trash because that's, tangible that you can see the result the mm-hmm. clothes needs fold or the sheets need folded i can see that happening and that's a benefit to the, my customers they don't a lot of people still don't understand the importance of social media and that it's it's not going anywhere right facebook might fade away instagram might fade away twitter might fade away but something will replace it somehow that's uh the social media media component to it and someone's going to have to be the expert someone's going to have to know it just like a lawyer has to know the law. A marketer has to know marketing. Someone's going to have to know social media so mm-hmm. that the business owner can run the business the way they know how to run the business. But I do see how it, it, it I even now still, when I talk to some uh, people and that are running business, they still think it's playing on social media. <laughs> yeah. It is not. It is uh-huh. serious business. Sure. You may be making funny videos. You may be dancing in your videos. You may have trending music, but it is serious business with serious mm-hmm. analytics serious a b testing and figuring out what works and what doesn't work yeah yeah and working with you in that it has really and just simply the growth in our channels and both of our channels not only just in numbers and followers yes that's that's the shiny object that everybody likes to look at but engagement um yeah. The amount of engagement that we have and the contact I'm getting just in door disc golf, not to mention, you know, our uh, Julie's and, and with what Sandy's doing and kind of the celebrity that is becoming and how people recognize and understand, you know, or I guess can relate. And, and when you talk about social media, I think it's such a hard thing for business owners to commit to. And I'm not doing a commercial for you, but I kind of am <laughs> because... <laughs> It's so hard to commit to because it is so personal. That is your image out mm-hmm. there. And you don't want anybody else to get your image wrong. I mean, because, right. oh, yeah. I, sure, we're, we're pretty lax and fun. We want the comedy, we want those type of things. But man, you put the wrong person behind that camera, and that's scary. You know, or in oh, front yeah. of the phone or however it may be. And that's scary because you've worked yeah. and invested and taken so much risk. So, yeah, I can. I can relate to the hesitation and the the backup plan, the plan B that's you know that Jeremy had with you, like okay, but you don't mind packing some boxes, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I can I can appreciate that. Um, you have anything for him? Oh yeah, I'll give you a chance. So um, <laughs> I appreciate it. You're welcome. Yeah. So working with Dynamic and their players, how did you go about? maybe specializing social media for certain players at the company, like dealing with maybe in Oakley at the time, Chris Clemens or, you know, certain individuals. Did you look at their social media and say, Hey, this is what I think stands out. This is what you're good at. You're charismatic, whatever. Is there anything in particular that you would work with them or is it all just kind of like, we're trying to push products. Can you do this for us? That's a great question. Um, Yes, obviously we. I would look at uh, their different personalities and see what their strengths are. Um, I mean, I mean, just to pull out real examples, Eric Oakley obviously has the energy uh, and the positivity that you want to show off, and you want to. And he's very knowledgeable and he's great at teaching. And so, 
you know, when it came to needing some clinic videos, some tutorial videos, he's, you know, the first one to reach out to, you know, because he was eager to help. He was eager to put in the work. He's not, he's not a scared, he's not scared to put in work for sure. And, uh, and he, and he, and he's okay being in front of the camera. And that's a big thing is too, is like when I would do in the bags, um, and I would film them, I would get a, a great feel for how they are in front of the back or in front of the back. That was stupid. How they <laughs> are in front of the camera. How are you with bags? So, um, how they are in front of a, in front of a camera. And some people I would do an in the bag when I'm like, okay, we're probably never doing another video again. And then there's some people where I'd ask them, oh, we need to be on the, you need to be on the podcast. We need to do some, some tutorials. Chris Clemens was the same way. He's just great in front of the camera. Dixon Jowers at the time, way back when, mm-hmm. when he was, mm-hmm. uh, I would do stuff with him. I knew he was, he was great in front of the camera, great at speaking. Um, Jonathan Nicholson is another one that I was like, man, you are so good at knowledge, knowledgeable stuff and breaking it down. I want to do some tutorials with him. We never got the chance to do it before I left, but we actually had some, we were working on some big plans for some big tutorial videos from him. Um, I'm hoping he's able to follow through on that. So, yeah, I would look at each individual player and see what their strengths are. And if they were not the greatest on camera or talking, then we would have to figure out, well, how else do we do that through pictures, through other ways of telling their story? Um, and maybe they're like the supporting role in a casual round or mm-hmm. in a tournament round. They're more of a supporting role. We're not in front of the camera. Um, so, yeah, you definitely have to play to the strengths of the player. And then, of course, I don't want to say exploit, but make sure you take make use of it as far as like they are ones that I'm going to use to create content mm-hmm. with as far as, yeah, the DD channels. As far as Disc Golf Answer Man itself, it kind of took an evolution kind of when Danny and Anthony kind of came in. We noticed there was some newer segments. There's disc reviews. Uh, there's maybe some extra things thrown into the podcast itself to keep content fresh, was that important to you to not necessarily um, just answer questions all the time and like present new things through DD that were popping up? Oh yeah, oh yeah. There were several times when we would have our media meetings, we would talk about, um, you know, we just keep getting the same questions over and over again. It's just, you know. (laughs) How do I get more uh, distance? Yeah. Yeah, how do do you get more distance? (laughs) When is is the, the, bt harp coming out in uh bt or, yeah when is the harp coming out in bt plastic you know things like that <laughs> like so um yeah at some point at some point we had to decide but then it was but then we had to figure out well what is our mission our to see the i made the the answer man as a way for me to get into disc golf media and then when i got hired with with uh dynamic discs then it was like well it just becomes one of the marketing arms for uh dynamic disc so you've got a youtube channel you've got instagram you've got facebook yeah you've got you know a podcast so we're going to get in you we're going to get you at you some way you're going to hear about us right and then it was it was a vehicle for brand new people so the brand new person who just wants to soak up all kinds of disc golf and they want to learn and they want to get their form better and they just want to learn 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 well this was a great way for them to send in the questions and connect with us and we can answer their questions and then yes people are like and I'm going to just be transparent. People are like, oh, you talk about a trilogy. And you're like, well, it's who, this is who we <laughs> right. are. Yeah. And the whole point was to get that brand new player who doesn't know what's going on, doesn't know what to choose. When they ask me or ask Eric McCabe or Daniel Anthony 
Um, you know, how do I improve my upshots? Well, what you need is you need a dynamic Emac Truth and take that thing. In other words, when as they're as they're learning, we're telling them about our discs. Mm -hmm. So then they're like, oh, okay. Well, then I'll go buy that disc and try that shot he just told me about. That was that was part of what the podcast was about. That was mm -hmm. all on purpose, right? And I'm sure people are like, no, duh, it was. But that you know, I I want people to understand that we were bringing you knowledge but indirectly telling you to try our discs to, you know mm -hmm. to throw our discs um so anyway so yes when questions started getting stale and over and over again we would meet and we'd like how do we add brand new segments how do we do this we tried uh the uh, inside the circle with me dixon and eric mccabe where it was more tournament talk mm -hmm. and that took up a lot of time and so it was running two podcasts took up a lot of time we noticed that it would be like the day before, and and we and all three of us would be like, "Oh crap! I need to go watch Jill Miz real quick, so we know what's going on with that tournament." And uh, that just became too burdensome with all the other things that were going on. I wish we could have done that for a little bit longer, but we couldn't. So we didn't want to add tournament talk to it because, and plus, so many other people were talking about the tournament. I mean, how many times can you hear uh, why Paul McBeth did this and how awesome he was and why he won this? You know, how many times can that be said mm -hmm. in a different way? Um, so we wanted to keep the question format to keep, keep new people in, but we also needed to figure out how do we keep people once they read a certain, reach a certain level of their play, they drop off because they don't need that help anymore. And that came with the disc reviews that came with the other, uh, segments that Danny and Anthony would do. It's funny you mentioned inside the circle. I just removed it in one of my, um, throne sessions in the morning. I just removed it from my subscribe list. Oh, really? <laughs> I was kind of going through all my podcasts, you know, because I do my daily thing in the morning when I'm using the restroom yeah. is kind of go through my phone. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there like, man, they haven't made one since like 2017. <laughs> I, I don't remember yeah. exactly what it was, but I used to love that. And I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Dixon Jowers, but um, so I want to ask something um, about the path of, DD more player specific. So I'd say about starting about four years ago, there was kind of that mass exodus from DD with players where Paige Pierce left and you had, you know, a couple of those Ricky left and so on and so forth. There was a couple that had left. It was like Andike and anyways. Yeah. So that was that year. It all kind of left. And then there was no notable pickups until just recently. And I said there were pickups, yes. But, you know, like folks that you never thought would leave um, MVP, Jordan Castro. I was yeah. like, no way he'll ever leave. He left. So was this and Oakley, was this all by design or was that something that there was some sort of internal strife or change happening in the business that was not, or in DD, that just wasn't apparent and upfront that you could share? I wouldn't say there was like strife, but... Um, when disc golf was growing, growing fast, and we as a company were growing very fast, mm -hmm. right? Um, I mean, we, we weren't in that 20,000 square foot. I mean, we were in a 10,000 square foot warehouse. Very shortly, The found out that the lease was up with the people that were in the other side of the building. When, as soon as we found that out, we bought the other side of the building. So they, as soon as they left, we took it over. Mm -hmm. And in no time, we were now... we. We may have bought the 80,000 square foot warehouse last year, but we needed it three years early. Right. Yeah. We would, yes, we needed, we had, to, at one time, I, I don't know the exact number, but I could we had like 12 to 15 semi containers yeah, sitting wow. outside that had, we had the a warehouse, uh, half of a uh, 
we probably had another 20,000 square foot in a warehouse across the street that had bags and baskets. Mm-hmm. Um, so we needed that warehouse long before, but we were trying to be smart with our money and we were trying to navigate, you know, this golf is growing. That's fantastic. But is it, you know, is it going to keep growing? So, um, you know, finally we made the, and, and again, he, Jeremy was shopping around different places, trying to work with the city to get us, you know, obviously incentives to either mm-hmm. build new or buy or something, you know, stuff, you know, stuff that businesses do that yeah. type of stuff. Um, so there was a point where having top names became a lower priority because we didn't, we needed to make sure that our infrastructure was in place. Mm-hmm. So that would mean that any investment do happen that needed to probably happen to have top players wasn't a top priority. Right. Mm-hmm. We needed to make sure that we had enough workers. We needed to make sure that our, again, it, it, I can't emphasize how important, and you know, guys from running a business, the infrastructure, the things people don't see that they don't know about, the little tiny pieces that make the machine work. If, mm-hmm. if those start falling apart, it doesn't matter if you got top players or not, you, your business is going to fall apart, right? right? So that that played a big role in the importance of having top players. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's, like it or not, that's what players are. Players are investments. Um, and right. you, you are, you are purchasing a name and an image for a agreed upon amount of time for an agreed upon amount of money. And you're hoping that you get your money back. I mean, it's that ROI, that return on investment. And I know a lot of times I refer to disc golf as a buddy sport. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that's lost when we talk about disc golf because, we all have to be best friends. It can't be a business tra- transaction. You can't make money off of my name. And I think that's, it's such a mm, juvenile look at the game, in my opinion, because you you can't make the money without having those names in front of your brand to push them out at the, at the present moment. You know, we're not Nike. We're not Adidas. We're not, you know, we don't have all these other avenues to push out of. So, at the present moment, these players are your marketing hub, you know, your biggest marketing mm-hmm. hub as far as moving the needle. And unless you're Innova, you know, and you have the large retail. And I know I've seen Dynamic Disc is starting to pop into some of those, like Dick's and other places. Mm-hmm. Like I see them in Dunham's, which is a smaller chain around the Midwest here. Um, they're in an, an academy. Yeah, an academy. academy okay. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we see them. But, yeah, I just... Sorry, I just had to make mention on that. Kind of a soapbox I get on. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah, so I, I wanted to ask now about you leaving Dynamic and having... Mm-hmm. Um, you, when you left, you had mentioned that you had intellectual property of Ant, Disc Golf Answer Man, that it was mm-hmm. yours. Mm-hmm. Um, was, that a hard, was that a hard thing to run by or was that agreed upon early in like negotiations that it would be yours oh no that was yeah in fact um when the when i the severance papers were presented to me it actually he had already put that in there okay and then yeah. the other question so I, didn't that, have to, I didn't have to yeah i didn't have to ask for that to to be mine still he, he knew yeah mm-hmm. and so the the other question i have now is now that you're out on your own you have eric and you have robert came back does disc golf answer man feel more like what you had originally intentioned it to be than when you were with dynamic discs? 
that's a that's actually a really great question. <laughs> um, the handcuffs are off. <laughs> yeah. I would say not being restricted by a manufacturer as far as what we talked about, uh, what we suggested, um, I would say is, would have been the, was the original intent. Cause I, but you gotta understand it was at the very beginning. So I didn't, I mean, I, I understood how sponsorship worked, but I didn't quite understand exactly how it worked because again, dynamic disc wasn't a manufacturer at the time. So, right. Um, it wasn't a big deal to talk about other discs, and um, you know, of course, it would slant. It would slant toward discraft because that's what Eric would talk about mm-hmm. and he'd suggest, and he would push. So, um, yeah, I would say that would be the biggest aspect is that the freedom to talk about other discs. And I'm not saying like, I mean, as the social media guy that worked for Dynamic Discs, I knew that's what we we're going to talk about was trilogy discs, right? But so it wasn't like Dynamic Discs forced me to. It was what I. It's what you do as a company, man. You you promote your company. So um, that would be the biggest thing that I would say is is kind of the 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 freedom that that we now experience with disc golf fans, man, is that we can talk about any manufacturer we want to. Okay. Yeah. Was it easy to get Eric and Robert on board? Were they gung ho about joining? Oh yeah, oh yeah. And the thing is, is that um, you know when I left, it was it was a it was a hard thing to leave Dynamic Discs. Because I had worked really hard to be where I was at, like mm-hmm. like damn hard. I worked hard mm-hmm. um, to be what I was, to be in the position I was. Um, you know, on the board of director, I was making, I wasn't making all decisions, but I was part of a lot of the big big decisions that were happening in Diamond Discs, and that's kind of, that's 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 a great feeling to have worked your way up there. And I at, you know, three years no, well four years ago before the divorce. If you would ask me, I, I'd have been retiring from Dynamic Discs and just mm-hmm. riding that train, in a sense, and growing it more and more and more. So it was a very hard decision to leave um, Dynamic Discs. What was your original question? I forgot after I started saying that. Oh, I was just asking, you know, you know, because Robert had left. Eric was uh, still uh, with Robert, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, was it easy, just easy so, to get them? So when after I left, and I think I mentioned this on other podcasts, but... Um, I just, I didn't know where I I knew what I wanted to do. I knew I was going to do something in social media because that's what I was good at. Right. But I wasn't sure if it was disc golf or if it was going to be in some other arena or I had, I was talking to real estate people to do real estate, social media. Um, I'm part of an organization that I've talked about before called divorced over 40, where I'm helping them with their media. Um, and then a friend of mine said, dude, you left dynamic disc, but you didn't leave disc golf. Mm -hmm. You are the disc golf answer, man. And he knew me through, he, he doesn't do disc golf for nothing but he just knew that i had done that because i talked about it he said you are still the disc golf answer man and he said and i know that people might roll their eyes especially now but <laughs> people, I've, and i've heard it multiple times people say dude you could be like a joe rogan of disc golf yeah. you could be that guy that just talks disc golf and spits the truth in disc golf and stuff like that so mm-hmm. anyway i was like you know he's right i'm gonna do the disc golf answer man but i needed to not for any hatred of dynamic discs, not to get back at dynamic discs, but in my mind, I needed to start fresh. And if it was going to be the same people back on the show, then it's just going to be, in my mind, it's going to feel like just, and again, another extension of dynamic discs. Mm-hmm. And again, it wasn't like, you know, the, the, the door is always open for me to go back to dynamic discs. And Jeremy tells me that all the time. If, if for, in fact, he's even called me a couple of times to check on me, just to say, hey, how are things going? Are you doing okay? Mm-hmm. 
and he kids around. He says, you can always come back. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, anyway, I needed to separate myself. So I knew I needed a, a new set of people. And I knew Robert McCall was the first person that j- jumped in my mind. So I created a survey, posted it out on the Facebook group for Disc Golf Fans, man. And an overwhelmingly amount of people, without even me saying a thing, only saying, what do you want to see from Disc Golf Answer Man? People said, you and Robert need to be on the show mm-hmm. again. Right. You guys have great banter, great dynamic together. Um, you need to be on the show. So I was like, I reached out to Robert and I said, dude, people want us back on the show. People want us back together. And he's like, let me see. Let me talk to the wife. Let me see what day <laughs> would be great. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. And then I wanted to. And then I knew he wasn't playing disc golf, but I knew he was good at analytics and, and talking about players and stuff like that. But I needed someone that was going to be the boots on the ground guy, the guy that was going to be at the tournaments in the middle of things playing the tournaments. And then, of course, my relationship with Eric Oakley, just being good friends with him and Tina Oakley. I, I reached out to him and he immediately was like, what do I need to do? When yeah, are we yeah. doing it? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's how that, all that happened. How early did you know Eric was leaving? Did you know when he was like, yeah, I'm good, like that, <laughs> wow. that, that he, that, uh, that he was going to join and be, it was like the three of me, like, it's yeah, weird yeah. to talk about like the, the triangle of guys that used to be at DD. Bring the horses back yeah. together. <laughs> <laughs> um, of course, we were, we were really, really good friends. So of course I knew things way before things were made down. Mm, yeah. I'll put it that way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. When you talk about your, you know, time at DD, leaving DD, when you left DD, you received this Facebook message from this guy (laughs) 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 who said, I really need help because I don't know anything. And you're the guy in my mind. Um, So I'm talking about the Facebook message I sent you. Yeah. What I guess when you received that, what went through your mind? Because was I the first person to reach out or reach out as far as like working together yes uh no i wouldn't say you're the first one but you were the first one that actually were like like uh, like i would get like that was what the amazing thing too is when i posted the message about me leaving it was oh i mean i got overwhelming phone calls messages about man that's you were the reason that i threw trilogy you were the reason Mm -hmm. i found trilogy things that you did you changed you progressed this golf media. You were doing things that, you know, all that stuff. That yeah. was just and all amazing true. to, to, Oh, thank you. That, yeah. It was just amazing to, to, to know that and to feel that and to be that, have that validated. Um, but you were the first one that, that was more, was like on the real level, like, Hey, cause other people were like, man, if you need anything, let me know. Mm-hmm. You know, if something comes up, I'll try to, you know, let, I'll let you know, you'll get back, you'll get, you'll figure something out. You'll do that. But you're the first one that said, Hey, I want to do this. Let's do this. Let's really connect and let's get things going. And this is how I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So you would be, you were the first one of that. And you were, you would be one of the ones that again, validated that just to be on a human level is that, Again, I was leaving Dynamic Discs as the social media person, director, as the media director. But that doesn't mean I, they were st- – I didn't leave all my knowledge there. Mm-hmm. I still knew what I knew. I still knew what I was doing. And, I, and the, it was kind of like I felt like almost like because I didn't have that, that safety net of Dynamic Discs, 
it was like, do I even know what I'm doing in, in social media? Mm-hmm. Can I even do something for other people? Or is Dynamic just the only place that I could do this? And so when you reached out and said that, I thought, okay, yes, let's, I want, let's do this. Let's figure this out and I can take my knowledge and I've got to figure out how do I turn it from just doing it myself to now teaching someone else to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was funny because when I had the conversation with my wife, Sandy, who now you know, her first response was actually the very first response that I heard from, or you had mentioned something on, I think it was Disc Golf Answer Man, your last episode working with DD, where you had said, Jeremy said, you know, it just, it's not going to work remote. Or maybe it was on another episode or we had had a conversation, not going to work remote. That was the first thing my wife said was, because I was like, let's hire him. Let's give him the money. We want to put this position in. Like, I want to have a conversation with him. And um, and then obviously, Door Disc Golf would have been actually the, the lesser of the two businesses that I would have wanted you mm-hmm. to work with. Um, and then when we had our conversation, you had laid it out of, hey, let's do something more of a consulting or, you know, coaching. And I'm very familiar with it with my loft leadership company. Um, I'm very familiar with doing that. And I go, you know what? I think maybe that's where we should go because I can dip my toes in. You can dip your toes in. And then that's kind of where we went. And hearing this now, I'm very surprised that I was the very first person to do it because it was a couple, what, three weeks, four weeks after yeah. you had left. Um, mm-hmm. Because I was just sitting there and I don't remember when I sent it, but I remember sitting there going, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Like, I'm just going to ask. I'm not going to get bogged down in the minutia and move on to my next shiny object. Bobby's a shiny object. Like, (laughs) I'm focusing on Bobby, you know. Well, I truly believe, and, and, you know, I know I'm not sure all, you know, I'm sure all your listeners come from different backgrounds and stuff. But I truly, to me, in my mind, that was God moving. That was him moving, saying, for me, on my side, was saying that, this is something you can do and I'm giving mm-hmm. you and just like my tattoo says I always say opportunity meets preparation you're prepared for this you've worked toward this this is an opportunity you need to take advantage of this and do it so I think I think that was that was uh, I don't want to say destined but you know what I'm saying that oh, was, I get it. it was I get in the cards it. for this to happen yeah yeah and I believe the same thing I think there is a certain amount of destiny or faith or you know manipulation I guess that have not even manipulation but also I have a pretty matching tattoo that says no regrets. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to get to get back to it, um, so we've talked about kind of your progression through DD, how you started Cool Daddy Slick Breeze or why you became Cool Daddy Slick Breeze and why you used it. So we're now to a point where you are on your own and you're doing your thing. You're being you. Where do you see the GAM heading um, in the future? Now, we've had some conversations, but I don't know if you've necessarily made it, but you have, you know, we are a Disc Golf Answer Man Network podcast. Where do you see that going? And where do you see yourself going? I have no idea. <laughs> it's kind of exciting, though, isn't it? <laughs> like the future is just I mean, open. I have some idea. Like you said, we've talked about I have some idea, but I have so many and it's just amazing. And again, I, I think it's just a blessing that, um, you know, I, you and I are working together. I'm working together with uh, two other disc golf companies. I have a third disc golf company that I've emailing back and forth with that are, 
or want to take a proposal I put to them back to the, their top people to work with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I work with a CrossFit gym that again, she was kind of this on the same level as you actually, mm-hmm. as far as like, okay, so that story with that is that I was in Emporia. I was like on indeed.com. I was on, um, um, what's the other one that people go to that get jobs? Um, LinkedIn. Uh, yeah. yeah. LinkedIn was one of them. And there's another one. I can't remember, but, mm-hmm. but anyway, I was looking at different jobs and I came across and she had posted a thing where she wanted someone to help her for 12 to 15 hours part-time to help her with social media. And I was like, well, I, I got to find some stuff to do. So I did an interview with her, did a phone interview with her. And then I said, I'll be in Tulsa, you know, this day. And I went and I talked to her and she told me what she wanted. She's like, I just want someone to take pictures and do videos and post stuff on, on social media. And of course, I, I showed her my portfolio and I said, well, I've taken company from virtually nothing to over 300,000 followers all across social media. I can let me, can I help you as a freelancer? I've never done it. You, I've never done freelancing before. I don't even know how this works, <laughs> but I can do this for you if you pay me this much per week. And she was like, okay, let's go for it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. Okay. So, and so I, and so I've learned, been learning about freelancing and how it works and things and how to make it work in my life through her but anyway i've had connections i just did a crossfit competition where i did photography for them i have people reaching out to me saying hey what is it you do for christina and and what's that all about Mm -hmm. so more opportunities are being created so it's almost like i don't know what's going to happen but whatever's happening right now is really cool and i think i (laughs) I want to play it up so the same thing with the disc golf answer man networks you know you and i have talked about and you were very instrumental in the brainstorming process and coming up with this idea of just how do we help each other out to to instead of i don't want to say we fight each other compete with each other but how do we help each other out grow as a disc golf network where it's like you want you get a little bit of flavor of every every different kind of flavor in Mm -hmm. podcasting so let's create a network and let's use some of the clout and name recognition we have to help other guys out and i have had three or four conversations already with people that you know, are like, I just have an idea. I don't have any idea what it is, but I have an idea. I want to talk to you about it. So I talk to them. Then I have some people that already have established, established podcast that say, Hey, how do I become a part of this network? So mm-hmm. I can formulate what it might look like where it's just a big conglomerate mm-hmm. where we reach out to sponsors and we say, Hey, we've got, you know, thousands upon thousands of listeners across this network. Let's work out a deal of how to be how to get your your ad in our network, or it could just turn into a bunch of guys just having a good time together, talking and, and helping each other out. Mm-hmm. Either right. way, I'm loving the journey. Be yeah, awesome. That is great. Yeah. You have anything? Yeah, I was curious. Um, so you're doing the coaching like with Shane and other people. You're doing the social media side of you know creating content you know for the crossfit um i've seen you do stuff for whale sacks you're making videos and on instagram mm-hmm. and stuff for tina and eric um when it comes to that are you creating the content giving it to them are you uploading it for them and then if anybody dms or messages them are you in control of me- are like are they actually reaching out to the people that they're reaching out or are they reaching out to you <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to give out trade secrets, aren't you? Well, I don't know. Okay, I mean, so <laughs> no, I understand. Yeah. No, the way I the way I've done it, um, and and I'm learning because I actually uh, am paying for a class to take where it's kind of like at your pace, 
but it's basically how to become a social media agency, like literally walks you bare bones through, you know, non-disclosure non, uh, uh, agreements, uh, how to make a contract, you know, different things. So there's different levels. So there's, there's a level where I have where literally all I'll do is take content you have already created and repurpose it. And I'll post three times a week. And that's like cheapo. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just somebody to make sure that there's things happening on your social media. And then there's the man management side where um, I put a little bit more into it. And one of those things would be answering and liking and commenting as the, uh, the account, or okay. the, as the mm -hmm. client, as the account. Now, when it gets into more personal stuff where it is personal the client knows they need to take over. Mm -hmm. They need to do it. If there's an expertise type question or if there's like a, Hey, we met at what so-and-so you're the coolest thing ever. I don't fake that. Yeah. I don't think that's genuine. So that's something that I leave to the client to take care of. Okay. So I would, I would guess, I would guess then I would say I take more of customer service type thing. Okay. Okay. And then this kind of segues into my, my next question about disc golf social media right now we see a lot of um players signing with management groups that alleviates the stress of them having to deal with social media so they can play more focus on the game more um do you see these management groups maybe taking the social part of social media out of social media do you think that it's going to become less less social and more like cookie cutter kind of posts or inter interactions that's definitely a, a a trap that they can fall into um and that's um just like what kind of along the lines of what sane mentioned earlier is that you know as a business and you're growing your social media it, it becomes personal and the thing is is that um as social becomes a bigger bigger part of media networking um people are i mean people are already sick of the overly produced and things that they knows is, they know is an ad they know is marketing um when they get on and they connect with someone on social media they want to know they're actually connecting with that person but i would imagine you know i mean like i mean let's say i send a, a dm to the rock <laughs> i know someone's managing his account i mean he's yeah. got a jillion million followers right he's not answering everybody somebody's out there helping him answer it but I think at some point when you get to the Paul Macbeths and the Ricky Wysockis where uh, they're getting bigger and bigger at some point, yeah, it's going to be somebody else you're talking to. And they'll just, that, that, those people will just have to learn how to navigate that. And again, try to keep it genuine, try to keep it um, organic, but, know, then the, but the person on the other side has to know that there's no way they're answering thousands of questions. There's mm -hmm. just no way. Um, so I don't know if that answered your question because it is something that you'll have to navigate and figure out how do I make sure I don't lose that personal connection, that organic feel. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an appropriate answer that you gave because in my experience working with you, there is nothing but genuine coaching and genuine strategies. There's no get yeah. rich quick schemes. There's no, this is how you can get a thousand followers a day from all the DMS I get, you know, you don't have any of those facades. It is true. Right. You want to build engagement. You want to build, you know, a true fan base that will eventually turn into customers. Um, and that's what you teach me to do. That's what you teach us to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think what you gave, I, I think it makes sense. And 
you know, I, I look at the player management groups that are coming around, you know, and I think they're fantastic, but I don't know if social media is their role. Um, you know, I would say someone like yourself would fit that role much better because it, sure, it takes time, but I mean, I got eight reels and a couple posts, you know, basically a week and a half's worth of con weeks and a week and a half worth of content done in about 45 minutes because of tips and tricks that you've given me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so you and I have had conversations about the DeGam network. Um, you have also enlightened me about something that Jeremy Rusco has offered you and mm. It, it was the first time you saw my mind work <laughs> when you told me. Yes. Um, so um, the nature of me is that if you give me a hook, I'm biting until you pull me out of the water. Um, and I went nuts on what you said, and I did, I did a bunch of research. So it, explain that to me and what that offer is if you'd like to open up on it and – <laughs> how crazy you thought I was when I got in contact with you and kind of walked you through some of the stuff. Um, so yeah, so early on when I left dynamic discs and hadn't really established much of anything. Yeah. Much of anything. And, uh, <clears throat> and just in case people don't know, like Jeremy took care of me. He gave me some severance pay. Um, I was still on the health insurance for the rest of the year. I still had a cell phone for the rest of the year. And he, per- he said, this is, because of what I've done for dynamic discs, you know, this is like, Hey, this is kind of my way of helping you go do what you need to do. Anyway, trying to figure out what to do. Um, it was suggested that perhaps I could open a store in Tulsa, Oklahoma, because it Tulsa is a, you know, big market. And, uh, you know, when, when things weren't going that great for me, or it felt like it wasn't going that great for me, it was something I seriously considered about opening a DD store in Tulsa. Um, so, um, but then after a while I started thinking about it and, um, I, I just, again, I wanted to separate myself, not anything against dynamic disc, but it was like, I'm, I have this feeling that I have my own thing I want to do. And then, but then as I was starting to dabble into different areas, I thought, well, maybe that could be one of my avenues of income. And so then that's when I had brought the idea up to you to kind of say, hey, I want to pick your brain on it. And then, yes, I, as soon as that, I thought, oh, okay, this guy, this guy really likes this. He, <laughs> he likes this idea um, he's, and he wants to explore it. So I was like, yes, I asked the right person. So, um, so yeah, we talked about it and I've considered it. And uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it will happen. Maybe it won't happen. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm enjoying the ride right now. Um, it seems like things that I'm dipping my toes in and, and putting some work in are becoming fruitful um i just i used to work in retail and that basically what it comes down to to me is that having a store a disc golf store is retail and the reason i left retail is because it's retail (laughs) i used to (laughs) i used to work i used to work at a buckle and i managed the buckle and i remember uh my last year before i decided to leave but it was my last year and I had one day off for Christmas and that day was spent the morning at my uh, in-laws and the afternoon at my parents. And I was completely exhausted because I'd been working 80, 90 hours the week before. And I knew the next week was going to be crazy. 
And I thought, and I remember I was talking to my district manager who was over me and he confided in me and he said, Bobby, I haven't had a Sunday off in 10 years. Hmm. And I was like, my gosh, is this what I want? And so when I, and so for some reason, when I think running a disc golf store, which I know I would kick butt at, mm-hmm. I would be fantastic with, and I would, you know, just go with it because I would want to put my all in it. Like I do everything else. But it's like, is that really what I want to do? And my mind goes back to those retail days. And so I just don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. how I felt working in the service industry. No, sorry, Shane. No, oh, that's fine. <laughs> working in, you know, I <laughs> slaved away in kitchens for a lot of years. And as my family started to grow and wanted to spend more time with them, I really had to ask myself, can I afford to be working you know, night shifts till midnight, cleaning fryers and doing all that. And mm-hmm. is it really worth it? You know, it's the yeah. things that go through your mind to, you know, what you value. It's right. like crazy. Right. Well, it, it's a, it's a special type of crazy that works right. in, in retail and especially uh, hospitality. And I mm-hmm. think that's what I have more of a connection with is because I've done it for so long. Um, it's a special type of crazy. I mean, it really is. You, you have to have a certain mentality and mindset of sacrifice because yeah. you know your ultimate goal is going to be, you know, a better life and you know, a little more prosperity that type of stuff. But man, you are going to put in some hours and you're going to put in some hard work. And I think retail is the same way. Um, you're just not messing with the hot stuff and the sharp stuff, <laughs> you know? right? Yeah. But those tag guns, I mean, I put one or two of those in my finger before. <laughs> yeah. And so, like I told you, it wasn't that I was. I mean, I, it's, I'm willing to put in work. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of work. But if I'm going to do that, then I would I would rather invest that time into the social media side of stuff rather right. than doing inventory and figuring out what the you know putting up racks and then being there you know like tonight there were businesses that were just dead because the snow is coming down and they closed early and it's like I don't I remember doing that stuff and mm-hmm. I th- that's not the kind of work I want to put in so it's not the work I'm afraid of it's the type of work that I already experienced and I know that um, I might regret it. Mm-hmm. Well, I so, got I got yeah. all the answers and encouragement you need. So if you ever need them, just call me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think outside of that, um, I don't have many more questions to follow up with. Okay, I was. Gonna, I do have one more for you, but it's not. No, that yeah, serious. go for it. Hold on, <laughs> I was thinking of it, and now I lost. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, I yeah. My question is. Apart from social media and media in all of media now, we've, you know, podcasting has become bigger, obviously YouTube, you know, Instagram, all those. What's the next level for media in, in disc golf? Where do you see us? Is it getting into video games, VR stuff? Like what's the next level of, of media looking like for, where can we, where can we expand? I would say video games is definitely a big thing. Um, I know that there's some big, I know that things are happening in the background, mm-hmm. um, when I left. So I'm sure that there are continuing, uh, bigger investments in, I mean, with the PDJ just announced that, uh, the people behind disc golf Valley are now going to be, I can't remember what it was, but they're doing something for, uh, for ultimate or some, something to do with working with the PDGA on something new with the disc golf Valley game, or at least the people that work with disc golf Valley. So I would say video games is the big, big. Mm-hmm. big thing um i mean we've got some of the video games now that have a component of disc golf but i think moving over to the bigger platforms of course mobile platform is like a, is a big mm-hmm. 
moving over to the PS4s or not PS4s, but the PlayStations and the Xboxes and stuff like that. I think that's that'll be a big, big business once that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the so like a social media side, it's going to be just like everything else, where it's going to be um, more and more people are not going to want to hear from the manufacturers; they're going to hear from people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so manufacturers are going to have to, and that's the thing. That's what we did. <clears throat> excuse me. That was one of the. T- uh, quote unquote tactics that we used at Dynamic Disc, and that's why um, I became popular. I became a face because I wasn't the company. I was Bobby Kodak Slippery's. Danny was Danny. Anthony was Annie. Annie. Which was Anthony was <laughs> Anthony. Little Annie. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I just explained something about Anthony. No, um, Anthony was <laughs> Anthony was himself, and we purposely were would uh, have you connect with the staff so that you're connecting with people and not a company. Mm-hmm. And but that's going to be more prevalent in social media too. People are not—they don't want to hear what a manufacturer says, but they'll listen to what their their favorite Instagram person does. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, and I see that a lot. You know, player—it's not so much about the manufacturers anymore. It's about the players and their brands expanding as far as they can. Whether uh, past disc golf, like that's the new, like that's the thing that's got to happen. Is players have to break out beyond just our niche. Uh, you know, little circle that we have and getting to those bigger companies, bigger sponsors. Bigger um, but do you, do you see, do you see, is it, is it becoming too competitive players kind of overlapping a lot in social media? You know, obviously each player, you know, each company is kind of playing around with players and, you know, okay, we're promoting this and like, it just gets monotonous where players keep promoting the same stuff over and over and is it just them trying to push more of their of their brand like is it both i don't know hmm. i'm not sure how to answer that um our players i'm not sure i understand the I question guess, actually I, I'm, yeah i kind of muddled it up but is there a, the competition to get eyes on your social media or whatever it's a lot of competing with each other is that going to water down what social media is in a way? I think I know what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know if I'm wording yeah. it right. Um, it's not going in a way anywhere. I mean, it, and the thing is, the fighting for your attention, is this is just a new way of doing it. I mean, if you look back in the day before we had social media, it was TV commercials mm-hmm. are fighting for your attention. Um, billboards fighting for your attention. You know, what's the most attention-grabbing billboard I can create. So um, marketing is already always fighting for attention. And then um, that's the thing is that, you know, a social media platform comes along, it's free, there's no advertising, there's no sponsors, and then all of a sudden eventually you start seeing sponsorships, you start seeing stuff. And that's that's just uh, – Gary Vee has a saying that says uh, marketers end up – marketers are always the one that F up everything because <laughs> they figure out how do I – if something becomes popular, how do I get in there and how do I exploit it? And that's just the way it's going to be. And the thing is, is that if you you could be someone who says, you know what, I'm sick of the rat race, I'm sick of this, I'm not going to do the market anymore. Well, then you're going to fall to the wayside because then everybody else is just going to do it. So it's like if you you have to do it because if you don't do it, then you're going to become irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one that just dropped TikTok. Well, but you, but you just you make that you yeah you make that decision though. You yeah, got right. in other words, you got to come to that realization. And if you're comfortable with it, you're like, okay, Bobby, that's fine. I don't care. I don't want to be relevant. Then perfect. Just know that that's the consequences of it. Right. Yeah. 
One of my Calvin Heimberg. He's he's starting to you know he made the announcement. He's like, hey, I know social media is important, and I've got to have a voice on here, and I'm going to start doing it. Mm -hmm. You know how many conversations I had with the man that we (laughs) (laughs) that you need to do this, and we could have helped you. We can help Mm -hmm. you. We can do it. I want to do it. I want to help you become more known in social media. And he's got a ton of sponsors. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I love the guy. He's awesome. He stayed at my house before. He's great. He's funny. Uh, great dude to be around. But there's so many times I was like, Calvin, let me do your social media. Let me tell your story. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So is that you saying that he's going to DD next year? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I don't know any of that. <laughs> okay, I'm, I was just I'm too far removed now. Yeah. I don't know anything that's going on there. All right. So to finish things up. You ask five questions at the Ooh, end of your oh, show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you ask those questions because you have some sort of attachment. They mean something to you. So yeah. here we go. I'm going to skip a couple of them, but I'm going to ask you the main three that I really liked. Yeah. So how has failure shaped your life, Bobby? Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I don't want to do the cliche of, you know, failure has taught me so much because I'm still working on it. Because I am, I don't like failure. I don't like, I, I have, you know, and I hate, I don't want maybe people roll their eyes, but the Enneagram type three, I don't know if you've ever done Enneagram. Mm-hmm. So I'm a type three. And so I bring, a lot of value comes from what people say about me, what people think about me. Um, and then what kind of car I drive, what kind of house I have a lot, a lot of my value I drive from that healthy or unhealthy. That's just the way mm-hmm. I'm wired. And so failure drives me nuts even the fact even when i would like even now or when i'm working with Dy- when i'm working dynamic this if i didn't come up with the idea i'd be like Damn it, why didn't i come up with that idea <laughs> yeah like i should be the i should be the one that says that i should be the one that says we should have done this because that's my job to do that mm-hmm. rather than saying you know you can't come up with everything so i'm learning to and 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 i guess right now that's that's kind of what's in play right now when you guys ask me what's up with the discount at demand network where is it heading and i say i don't know it's because i'm willing to fail mm-hmm. i'm willing to put everything i can into it and if it fails i just learn and move on and so failure has taught me to appreciate failure all right and just enjoy the ride through it yeah <laughs> absolutely just enjoy the ride through it. now obviously make smart decisions don't go will you know make make some kind of uh uh uh, educated choices and some and and look at the pros and cons and make a choice but then know that whatever the outcome is it's a matter of then what do i do with it do i see it as a failure or do i see it as a learning experience and that sounds so cliche but it's so true how you frame things it's how you, it's and to me it's a driving force and and if that becomes a way of thinking then in a sense you never fail because you 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 learn and move on and you adjust and just like the marine corps says you adapt and overcome mm-hmm. right so that's i would say failure has taught me to learn how to fail more and learn how to appreciate failure all right so you have just said that failure is you're learning and being taught through. So what is one thing you're learning right now? One thing I'm learning right now is trust. My word for the year is actually trust. Um, three years ago, my word for the year was renew. And then it was resolve. And this one is trust. And that is trusting in myself, trusting the process, trusting that I put myself out there. And then of course, 
because I'm a man of faith, trusting God that he's got my back. Mm -hmm. Even going to the CrossFit competition to do the photography, I had to trust in my ability to do that, right? Because even though it's just photography, I was nervous. Walking in there, I was nervous. A couple of times I thought, why why did I volunteer to do this? Why would I want to do this? Um, But I said, nope, I'm going to get out of my comfort zone and I'm going to do the photography like a boss because I know what I'm doing. You do. I know what settings I need. I know how to make adjustments. I captured people's emotions before. I know how to capture certain things, mm-hmm. um, and I just went in and did it. So that's that's what I'm practicing right now is getting out of my comfort zone and getting out there and doing it. All right. Who Can is, I answer your question? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who is someone you know that we should know? <laughs> <laughs> it could be Sebastian. Now I know how my guests feel when I ask that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now I know how my guests feel. And I didn't give you pre-warning. <laughs> I know. I don't know if I can narrow it down to one person. I have to. Let me see. Most been most. Who's uh, someone that I know that you should know? And it can be anybody. It can be famous, right? It can be. Sure. You create the rules. Yeah. <laughs> We're just following your. That's yeah, true. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Dead or if, if it's someone, if it's someone, if of course this might follow along. If you ask the question about what's something I should, you should read that I've read mm-hmm. is, uh, it's following James Clear, and he wrote Atomic. He went, did he run? He wrote Atomic Habits, right? Yeah. So There's one of the habit books. Yeah. And that, it's so aligned with a lot of things that I needed to make happen for me as far as routine, as far as systems, as far as you know. Uh, trying new things out just to see how they 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 work out but those those turning your habits into routines into systems and then making that your identity has been a driving force mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I've never met the man but it'd be great to meet the meet James clear and just just uh, pick at his brain for certain things um, yeah I guess that would be my answer okay is that your answer for what books are you reading right now uh, I would know. I'm going to switch it up. So I would say read the book, um, uh, the art, the subtle art of not giving an F. <laughs> you are the second person who has brought that up to me today. <laughs> it is such a great book, by the way. Okay. It is such a great book. And uh, to be, and again, to be transparent, I bought it when after, shortly after my divorce, when, um, certain things that happened in my divorce where I felt very rejected and very much was trying to figure out what was wrong with me mm-hmm. that made this happen. What was wrong with me and why would anybody else want to have a relationship with me again? And I, I, I believe, I believe a podcast I was listening to Sean Croxton podcast, uh, uh, the quote of the day podcast. It was a book he suggested and I, I got it on audio and listened to it, and I liked it so much I bought the book so I could actually read it and take notes. And it's not – when it says the subtle art of not giving an F, it's not not caring. Mm-hmm. It's figuring out what to care about and then how to care about that, how to prioritize what to care about. And that was the biggest thing uh, that spoke to me about that book. And I even bought the Cliff Notes version the audio cliff notes that the guy just goes over the main points <laughs> yep. so that I can, if there's ever, I've probably listened to the cliff notes ones a couple more times over the last couple of years. So yeah, that's a great book. <laughs> that's great. Nice. All right. Well, you have the fifth question. 
if you want to go ahead and answer it, because I don't remember what it is. <laughs> I had it written down, but I don't understand. <laughs> what's something? What's something that I've done that you should do? Right? Oh, right, yeah. 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 Okay, what's something that I've done that you should do? I would mm-hmm. say, I don't want to say the blanket, anything that scares you. I would say zip line. Okay. Okay. Zip lining or some kind of free fall or some kind of slingshot ride that's at fair. Yeah. Because I've been on a slingshot ride where they, and I, I have it on VH, so it was a long time ago. In fact, I recorded it on VHS, but the zip lining I did uh, right during Christmas time, and it was at night. Wow. But just putting yourself out there and, and just that free fall feeling and just that release of just and i'm i made a video and i'm screaming in it at the top of my lungs <laughs> and it's just so um, it's so amazing that type of feeling is so to me is so amazing and one of the women one of the girls that went on it with me it was me me and three other friends two guys two girls um they were they did not like heights they were afraid of heights and so the nighttime she was like i think i can do the nighttime because i can't see you can't mm-hmm. see anything so it helped her and uh, she had the greatest time, and she laughed, and you know all that. So I would say, if you've never zip lined or done any kind of uh, bungee jumping or slingshot thing, I would say go for it because that is an, to me is an amazing rush. Mm-hmm. There's a local guy around here that runs a zip line, Tyleen. Yeah. Um, he owns kind of an adventure company, and my daughter. Three years in a row, we tried to take her. Wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. And finally she did it, and now that's all she wants to do. <laughs> it's just <laughs> yes, I'm telling it's you. awesome. Yeah, and these are kind of shorter ones, comparably speaking. But, yeah, that's, yeah. they're super fun. Um, I've been on ones when we were up in Ketchikan, Alaska, on my honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. It was so fun, like zipping down those hills and, like, branches coming by hitting you in the face. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was awesome. Yeah. So, it was so good. Um well, I'd like to end with just saying that and to reiterate that you have had a huge impact on me in disc golf. Um, and like I said, I've been playing for 20 years and you were one of the few people that I latched onto and listened to anytime I could, watched anything I could that you produced or made. Um, and just the way that you highlighted the Trilogy brand, but Dynamic Disc in general I immediately pulled everything out of my bag and threw DD in there. And I know you guys even always said, stop putting one brand in your bag. If you could do multiple choice, do it. But um, I did it, and it was because of you. So I'm sure Jeremy Rusco thanks you for doing that for me because <laughs> I have yeah. hundreds of discs personally. So. Well, and thank, thank don't worry about flight numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't worry yeah, about I flight numbers. About flight. I still hate flight numbers. Yeah. Yeah. That was not a dynamic disc thing. I still hate yeah. it. Good, good. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think anything you do is going to turn to gold once you set your mind to it because I think you've proven it over and over in your life, and we've seen it because your social media, you're out there. So, you know, keep it going. This isn't empty stuff just because it's not a podcast, but, you know, I want to get it out there in front of everybody that it truly is. I mean, I really think anything you touch is going to turn to gold. So um, any way that I can help, not empty, <laughs> let me know, you know, let me know. I appreciate it. I appreciate the kind words for sure. Yeah. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And I have to say uh, thank you to Disc Golf because and to people like you and, and to just Disc Golf in general because it's helped me. Uh, become who I am. It's helped me. It was a platform for me to, I mean, I, I have an associate's degree. That's great. There's nothing wrong with just having an associate's degree, 
but I, I pride myself at teaching myself and disc golf was the platform where I learned all the stuff that I could do. And I'm forever grateful to Twisted Flyer, Joe Rattan, to John Dusler, PDGA, and of course, Jeremy Rusco with Dynamic Discs, and then uh, uh, the people from Latitude 64. So forever grateful um, for the, that they gave me the opportunity to uh, become who I am and to do what I do. And I look back and I think, you know, when again, after I left Dynamic Discs, I thought, what am I going to do? And I kept thinking, I've, I've created a career after the last 10, 12 years of doing this. I've done it. I This is who I am. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very thankful to golf for that, for sure. Yeah, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to come here. Uh, thanks for giving Shane and I the chance to be part of the Disc Golf Answer Man Network. I mean, Shane came Absolutely. up with the idea, but you know, it was something we had talked about and the moment that it was like really real was when Shane came called me. He's like, Okay, we're doing this. You need to come up with thirty topics. <laughs> and I was like, yes. Oh <laughs> my God. Like and we just sat we sat for like an hour and brainstormed. We're like, what can we do? What can we talk about? And we're like, mm-hmm. okay, we can you know, try to get interviews with this person. We can talk about this. And, you know, the first podcast, it was really overwhelming. We were like, okay, we're going to hit record and, and see where this, where this goes. And then, you know, we had four or five recorded and now we're kind of hitting our groove and getting into it. And hopefully we just yeah. keep getting better. So we just want to say thank you for that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's about when you hit your groove about the fifth or sixth episode, you start feeling a little more comfortable know the technical stuff and yeah i remember what i told shane to come up with 30 ideas um but i what i remember you're like okay and you just like you were i could tell you were already had ideas going and <laughs> ready to write them down and i was like okay he's gonna come up with 30 ideas for sure so yeah, yeah i've i've actually told that to a few other people and they're like what i'm like what do you think what do you think we, you have to do when you're doing a podcast for years you have to come up with ideas all the time so yeah yeah, you I mean, you can't just start at LVC and then go to <laughs> Waco. <laughs> right, and then, yeah. yeah, no, no, not if you want to be interesting. Yeah. Right. Um, well, Bobby, where can they find you? All right. Well, right now, um, I mean, I've got my website, which is basically my, my online portfolio, which is cooldaddyslickbreeze.com. Um, of course, you still have the discgolfanswerman.com website where you can listen to the web episodes or you can submit your disc golf questions and keep those questions coming in. Um, you can find us, you can search our podcast, Disc Golf Answer Man. Make sure you find that one because it still brings up the old Dynamic Discs one, which is fine. You can check them out. But if you want the new stuff uh, with Robert Oakley and uh, Eric. Robert Oakley. Wow. <laughs> that would be an <laughs> ugly <Mary>. baby. Robert McCall <laughs> and Eric. O- I, I am getting tired. It was a long day today. Yeah. Robert McCall and Eric o- Oakley, make sure you find the Disc Golf Answerman logo that says Cool Daddy Slick Breeze on it so that way you know you're listening to the new thing. And then follow me on, on uh, social media. You can follow me at Uncle Bobby Jr. That's another little nickname I have. That's a whole other story. But Uncle Bobby with a Y, J-R. Um, you can follow me there on TikTok. You can follow me there on Instagram and on Facebook. And I tend to share a lot about my life because I just love sharing with people and being mm-hmm. transparent. And I love that people are part of the ride. So I think it's great. And don't forget Patreon. Robert reminded you the other oh, day about Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. Robert yeah. always reminds me. <laughs> and thank you for that. Patreon.com slash DGAM. Um, just a few, uh, quite a few awesome folks are helping me make sure that I can pay for the technical part 
of Disc Golf Answer Man for the Zoom, for uh, some of the software that I purchased to to try to up the production level. So I'm very thankful for that. Very, very thankful for that. And again, that's a, it validates that people want to hear uh, what we have to say. So I love that. And we always try to make little stupid, funny episodes for the people. And you get, of course, the episodes a couple of days before everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. JP? That's it. This has been great. You guys are you guys are pretty good interviews. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> well, thanks. Good job. Good job. I, I I only had one question written down. So, yeah, free flow. Guess. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was I was kind of thinking about <laughs> stuff good. all day, but yeah, for the most part, yeah, off the top of the head. Yeah. No, if I don't no, write stuff down, it's, it's gone. fantastic. Yeah. Well, we appreciate <laughs> your time, and uh, I guess we'll jump off of our off of here. We they know our socials. Yeah, I guess <laughs> we're we're good. Yeah. <laughs> so, but right. uh, we appreciate your time, and uh, I guess we'll chat at you later. Yeah. All right. Thank you so right. much, guys. Thanks, Bobby. Bye bye.